welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. series called Uprising, and uh, this is about the church rising up. So each week we've themed it with a different thing that we want to see rise up in the church. So started with faith, talked about unity, talked about peace and hope, and um, today we're talking about likeness. And, and, uh, and so this series is, is about, it's, it's, it's teaching us about spiritual warfare but guys, this series is focused on Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, it's all about Jesus. And the primary battleground for spiritual warfare is actually in our minds. It's not against flesh and blood. Paul will say that in Ephesians chapter 6. It's actually in our hearts and in our minds. So what we've been trying to do is, is say we can actually replace lies with truth here. So um, we're going to jump in. We're probably going to go kind of fast because I'm starting later than we normally do. So I'm going to talk fast. <laughs> Like really fast. So try, try to let's see if we can keep up. If you have questions, we can talk about it afterwards. Um, before we get started, everyone's been asking me about this beard. I'm sorry <laughs> that this is on my face. Uh, I committed yesterday, though, to growing it out to the end of the year. And my hair. Like, yes. Yes. Everything. So at least until 2019... It's, it may get a little uglier, uh, but I don't know. We're, we're going to see how it goes. So I was just kind of lazy, and then yesterday I was like, no, let's keep it going. So uh, <laughs> spread the word. By 2019, I will have, like, some nice golden locks. <laughs> I've been told it doesn't change color as it grows out. For me, actually, it will. It'll be more gray. <laughs> You'll actually see more gray in my hair. All right, so... Um, Growing up, I have a pretty, I love my dad. We have a great relationship. We, he turns 70 this year, and I took him, he lives in the States, but I took him up north, and we got on a plane, I chartered a plane, where we flew into this lake where there's no roads to, and we spent our entire day out there doing what we both love, fishing. Now, if you know me, neither of us love fishing. <laughs> but it was something we always wanted to do together. So... But the plane was awesome. Like, he used to be in the Air Force, and so uh, he's, and he, he's worked with planes all his life. So it was cool to be in the tiniest plane we've ever been in. Uh, I mean, it was tiny. And then just hang out together all on this lake. Um, my dad's a lot like me. Uh, we, we have a similar personality. We love to joke. We're sarcastic. Uh, he's very personable. Uh, but when I was younger, I didn't really care to be like my dad. I didn't really... I, didn't, I don't know if I thought about not being like him, but I wasn't like, ooh, I want to be just like my dad when I grew up. And I remember this time, and I was probably, out, well, I was definitely a teenager, like late teens, 17, 18, maybe, maybe even, yeah, somewhere around there. And we went into this store, and it was a furniture store. And, and we're just killing time because we had to be somewhere for something. So him and I are just killing time. We're going in there, and we're walking around, and we go back to the, the mattresses, and, and we're over there by the mattresses, and, and the salesperson comes up, 
And this guy says, hey, you guys looking for a mattress? Well, we're not even in the city we live in. So I know we're not looking for a mattress. But my dad's like, he's like, no, we're not looking for, for a mattress, but let me ask you some questions. They start talking, and I'm like, this is a waste of time. So I'm walking over, and I go look at the TVs or whatever, uh, whatever other furniture there is. Um, and I come back, like, just a few minutes later, I come back, and my dad is, like, on his side like this, laying on the mattress. <laughs> and the guy is laying next to him on his back like this. <laughs> and I was like, am I interrupting something? <laughs> like, did I miss something? Like, what do you guys, and, and they're not talking about mattresses anymore. They're just talking about life, about whatever. And that's how, that's how my dad is. And I was so, like, I was embarrassed. I was like, what is he doing? Like, he's laying down on this mattress with his guy. Like, what's going on here? And, and uh, but as I've matured in life, I've become more and more like my dad, specifically in that way. Like, I've probably met four or five of the most significant relationships in my life doing something like that where I just like met somebody and it just went into something else. Um, and I've just grown up, as I've matured, I've grown up to be more and more like him in those good ways. See, some of us, what Ephesians 4 is about, what Adam just read, is about us being like the Father. But some of us are still in this embarrassment stage or immaturity stage where we haven't quite grown up into the, into the likeness of the Father, God the Father, to look like him, to act like him, to talk like him, to, to just live life like Jesus. We're still a little immature. We're still a little embarrassed to be like the Father, and, and we haven't grown up into this. Now, I'm talking to those of you who've chosen to follow Jesus, who've said, yes, I want to follow Jesus, because we're not talking about salvation here. You don't earn your salvation this way by trying to do good things or trying to look like Jesus. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking to those of you who've said, yes, I want to follow Jesus, and you're still stagnant in your faith. You're still believing the lies of the enemy. You're still tempted by the same things. Most of your life is still in darkness. It's not in light. Now, for those of you, Paul's going to talk about this in this passage, for those of you who, who haven't decided to follow Jesus yet, there's a different narrative for you. There's a different story. There's a different reality for you. But those of you who said yes to Jesus, you should look more and more like the Father every day. Like Father, like Son. You should be like the Son. You should be like the Father. You should, you should talk like Him and act like Him. But, but for a lot of us, our Father isn't God the Father, it's something else. We're still spiritual orphans. Jesus says, at worst, your father's the devil. Your father's saying, you may be saying, whoa, that's, that's, a, that's a bit extreme. Like, slow down there. But in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul's already established this. He said, if you don't follow Jesus, you're not following God, you're following the ways of the world. You're following, he says, the prince and power of this air. And this is the prince of darkness. This is the devil. This is Satan. So for those of us who are, are followers of Jesus, that's our reality. When we see the world, we see that reality. There's the reality of you're either following God or you're following the devil. Now you may say, well, I'm not into Satanism. I don't follow the devil like that. But, but it's just the default. We were all born into it. Okay, so even if you are a follower of Jesus today, you were a follower of Satan back then. 
Like you, you eventually made a choice to follow Jesus, but we were all in that same boat, guys. We were just born into this sinful world, this fallen world, this sinful state. And, and what this series is trying to do and talking about unity and talking about love and hope and, and uh, influence and boldness and likeness today is we're trying to resurrect those things that have died in you. You see, all of us were born and created in the image of God. And that image of God has become corrupted in us, but it's still there. It's trying to get out of you, and it's trying to get out of you. And when, whenever, you, whenever you act like God, even though you're not a follower of God, that's the image of God that is in you innately that you've been born with. Now, we don't always act like that because it's still corrupted. Right? It's corrupted by sin. It's corrupted by our flesh, by the sinful world. And so what we've been trying to do in this series is resurrect those things in you, is hopefully see the image of God restored in you. And, and so this morning, Paul, well, Paul has been dealing with Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 to get us to Ephesians 4 this morning and saying, this is the way you should look if that's the case for you. If you have said yes to Jesus, this is what it looks like. So... Let's go to the bottom line today. If you don't get anything else in the sermon, this is what I want you to see. When you live the likeness of the Father, you validate the victory of the Son. Again, this is for those of you who said yes to Jesus. This is not to earn your salvation. It's for those of you who said, yes, Jesus, you did everything for me. I believe and trust in you. Now, you're to live in the likeness of the Father. Okay, and the more you grow in that likeness, the more victory you're gonna experience in your life. Do you see that correlation? The more you live in the likeness of the Father, the more victory you'll experience in your life, or in, in terms of spiritual warfare. Now, we'll, we'll dive more into that. But basically, the, the short version of that is like father, like son, okay? So let's, let's jump into the passage. Verse 17, Paul says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. What's happening here in the church is that, because think about why Paul would say this. Why is he saying you must no longer walk this way? Because they're still walking that way. They're still acting like the Gentiles do. There's, and, and we talked about in the previous sermons what that looks like. Uh, we'll, we'll go into it more uh, in the next few verses. But the point in this verse is they're still acting like their father is not God, but their father is the devil. They're still living the same life. How many of you guys are in that boat? You still act the same way, you still think the same thoughts, you still have the same attitude. Nothing has really changed. You still see the world in the same way. Your perception hasn't shifted. You have a temporal perspective, not an eternal if, uh, perspective. Your perspective is, is myopic in the here and now. It's not a, a, a larger reality. It's not eternity. Like, these are things that shift when you become more and more like the Father. And he says, this is what the Gentiles look like in the futility of their minds. The futility of their minds means, means their minds don't work properly. They're empty. They, it's, it's hard for them to work. It's, it's like operating under the influence of something. He says, because they're darkened in verse 18. They're cloudy. They're nebulous. It's, it's, they're, they're influenced by something else. Not by light. They are darkened. And it's because they're alienated from the life of God. So this is a positional thing. Right? This, the first one is kind of a condition. 
And the second one is kind of a, a position. They're alienated. They're separated from God, from the life of God. Because of, and this is all causation, all these things are causing the other, because of the ignorance that is in them. Now, kind of in, in our day and age, ignorance is like a really, it's, it's, it's a bad word. If you call someone ignorant, it's like, ugh. Uh, but basically what, what he's saying here is it's just their inability to perceive. They just have a, an innate in, inability to perceive the truths of God. And it's due to this, their hardness of heart. Their hearts are hard. And in verse 19, it says, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That callousness refers to moral apathy. And apathy is just a lack of interest, right? It's just like, ah, I don't care anymore. Um, and, and so... When he says they're callous, they're hardened, right? You know, like a callous. Think about a callous on your, on your hand or, or something. And, and they become hardened to it. Like, they don't feel anymore. Like, you don't feel that dead skin. It's hardened. It's calloused. And, and so here we have this moral apathy, but it's more specific than that. It's a divine moral apathy. See, because in our culture, uh, we define morality in, in a new way. Like, our culture has a new morality, right? Um, it's not just enough to say, oh, we're all, we're all trying to live moral lives. It's like, which, which morality are you trying to live? So in our city, our new morality is, is, well, you can believe whatever you want to believe, and I'll believe whatever I want to believe. As long as it doesn't spill over onto me, we're good. We can live in peace and harmony. But that's not true peace and harmony, is it? It's, it's alienation. It's distancing ourselves from the other. Okay, you stay in your circle over there, you believe that, I'll stay in mine over here, I believe this. And before we know it, we have all these, we're all separate, there's no unity. Does that sound like something the enemy would like? Yeah. Separation, divide, and conquer. Spiritual warfare. Uh, our other new morality is, is um, tolerance and acceptance. So, <clears throat> We want tolerance and acceptance in our society, and if you tolerate and accept, then you're tolerated and accepted. But if you don't tolerate and accept what the majority tolerates and accepts, then you're not tolerated and accepted. You following me here? It's confusing, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's pretty sad. So, so then, again, isolation, segregation, and uh, partitioning happens, and now divide and conquer. Um, and so... And think about it, guys. In our city, the two communities that are elevated in our city, Muslims and the LGBTQ community, historically, the church has been viewed against those two communities. So where are we now? All of a sudden, we're on the outs. We're bigots. We're chauvinistic. We're, you know, whatever else on, on this side. And if you, as long as you've been part of Trinity Life Church, um, our goal, our hope, is to rebuild those bridges. We've burned those bridges historically as the church in this city. And because we're not against those communities, guys. And if you're part of Trinity Life Church, uh, I hope you, you wouldn't say you are against those communities. Now, we may not believe on the same things. We may not agree the same things. But that is a, that's a lie from the enemy that says we can't actually live life together because we don't do those things. We don't believe the same things. So... Um, 
Do you want to know more about that? I'm not going to give our whole theology on that right now, uh, but I'll just leave it there. We can, I'd rather have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with you about that than talk about those things up here where we can't dialogue and go back and forth. But what, what we want to do is build bridges with those relationships and those, and those groups in our city. So, but that's our new morality. That's where we are. That's where our city is. And so when Paul talks about callousness here and moral apathy, he's talking about we are, we're not just, we're not just um, callous to moral apathy, but divine moral apathy, a specific morality, right? And it's crept into, it's crept into the church to where we just don't care anymore if we look like the Father. We just want to live like the rest of the world, right? We just want to be happy, be comfortable, and exist like the rest of the world. And now we are, all of a sudden, we're, we're apathetic to the things of the Father. And it's just a subtle switch. And you may say, oh, well, and most people in our city would say this. Like, I'm a, I'm a good person. If I asked you this morning, are you a good person or a bad person? Most of you would say, I'm a pretty good person. Most of you wouldn't say, yeah, I'm a good person. But you'd say, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm okay. I don't know many of you guys would say, I'm a really bad person. Um, and so most of us would say, yeah, I'm pretty good. And then, and then you'd say, well, I'm not trying to hurt people. Like, I don't do that. I don't, and, and when you say that, you mean, well, I haven't murdered anybody. Like, when did that become our standard? I, you're, you're arguing with your spouse, and, and you're like, hey, I haven't murdered you yet. Like, why are you so upset? Like, I haven't. Like you're, you have a, an argument with your boss at work, like, or you stole something from work, and your boss gets angry at you, and you're like, dude, I didn't murder you. Like, what's, what's the big deal? Like, that has become our standard. Like, I don't do what that person does. And, and we've shifted morality out of, out of just morality, but then a divine morality. And Paul says, in turn, what we've done is we've just become hardened, calloused, and we've given ourselves up to sensuality, greed, and impurity. And you may say, oh, well, I, don't, I don't do that. Now, let me ask you this. For you, especially for you guys who are followers of Jesus in here, here's a few questions for you to think about. Don't shout it out loud. We'll just judge you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We won't. Um, what are the last five movies you watched? What are the last five books you read? What are the last five songs you listen to or albums you listen to? This is going to tell you whether you really are pursuing the likeness of the Father or the likeness of the world. It's what you're putting in you. What is your input? What are the last five books of the Bible you read? For some of you guys, you can't list one. You're inputting more Netflix than you are Scripture. You're inputting more... more uh, whatever lies than your truth. And how do you expect to live a life following Jesus when, when what you're putting in yourself is lies, is deception, is someone speaking death and destruction over you? And guys, we have the truth right here in our hands. In this community, truth actually lives and reigns and gets pushed forward. And you say, I don't want any part of that. I can't, I can't share my life here. Like, I want to go, I, I just want to do something else, and I'm going to hang out with these people. Hey, right, guys, this is where it's going to happen. 
If you are gonna, if you are gonna actually succeed in following Jesus, it's gonna happen in a body of Christ. You can't do it alone. That's a lie of the enemy. You weren't meant to do it alone. You weren't created that way. You're supposed to be doing it together. And if you value the likeness of the Father, if you value truth, then show it in your life. But many of you guys, if you listen to the last five movies, if you listen to the last five videos, if you listen to the last five albums, if you listen to the last five whatever, it, whatever else, what last five things you gave money to? What last five purchases you, you made? Like, this is going to show you where you are in your faith. Now we'll show you. That's a barometer for you to say, ooh, I'm actually following the ways of the world, not the ways of the Lord. And like, we just had parents up here commit to raising their kids in the way of the Lord. If you are a parent in here, your kids are just adopting what you're doing. Be better than that. Like, be more intelligent than that. Like, like care for your kids in a better way than you care for yourself. And maybe your kids will help you follow Jesus better. But be mindful of what you watch. Be mindful of what you read. Be mindful of how you argue and how you, how you uh, discuss things. Be mindful of, of where you put your money. Be mindful of, like we just had Halloween. I wasn't going to talk about this, but we just had Halloween, right? And you may say, well, we don't celebrate it. We do celebrate it. Just be intentional about it. Just be intentional about teaching your kids why this is here, why our culture celebrates this, why we don't celebrate it, or why we celebrate it in a different way. Why you shouldn't dress up as a bloodthirsty whatever, and, and if you want to dress up, you should dress up as something that redeems. Why are you celebrating death? <laughs> right? When we're supposed to be about life. We're supposed to be about life, not death, and, and you're okay with whatever our culture celebrates, severed hands and arms and blah, blah, blah. Like, we want to redeem these things for, for, for the Lord. And your kids see these things. Our kids, the next generation sees these things. And the next generation is being raised up in these ways. And he says, but that is not the way you learn Christ. Or is it? Maybe it was the way you learned Christ. He says, and Paul makes a big assumption here in verse 21. He says, assuming you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. How did you learn Christ? For most of you, for a lot of you guys, whenever I talk to you about issues you're having, whether it's a counseling situation or issues you're having in the church or issues you're having at your job or things like that, the issue is just a smokescreen. It's just like if we have a beginning point here and an end point here, you're trying to deal with this, but your foundation is off. Did you learn Christ as a religion or as a rescuer and a redeemer? Did you learn a Christ where you have to strive for approval or a Christ that says, no, I did everything for you and you are already approved? Did you learn a Christ that, that says, I'm here for you always? Or do you learn, learn a Christ that is, that is distant and absent and far away? Depending on, on what you learn about Christ is going to affect the rest of your journey here. 
And for a lot of you guys, when I'm, whenever I'm talking to you, I'm trying to get you back to here because you learn Christ wrong. Your foundation is off and it's jaded everything in your journey because you thought God was a God who punishes you when you mess up. That is not the good father. He's not waiting for you to mess up. God is not a God who condemns. He's a God who restores. God is not a God who, who holds you down and spanks you and punishes you. He's a God who lifts you up and encourages you and pushes you forward. He's there with open arms. I, we have to rebuild a foundation for some of us. And so ask that. Like, what Christ, what Christ did I learn? Paul says, that's not what you learned about Christ, assuming you heard the truth. And he says, this is what you learned. You're supposed to put off your old self. This is the dead old self. You're supposed to die to yourself. Think about this. He says, basically, it's laying this person aside. It's putting it down. Like, literally, like, you're putting it down like an animal. Like, you need to put down that old self. You died to it and were resurrected into a new life, a new creation with Christ Jesus. So think about that. A lot of you guys are still carrying that dead body around. It's like weekend at Bernie's for you. You're like, come on, dead body. And you're carrying it around everywhere. And you're having like a drink with your, your dead self. And think about what that does. You're dragging it around. It's exhausting, isn't it? How many of you guys are exhausted this morning from carrying that dead body around that Jesus took care of? You're not supposed to carry that around anymore. He says, put off your old self. That belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. You're to be renewed, in verse 23, in the spirit of your minds. These are things that we have in Christ Jesus, guys. And the whole time we're giving the enemy power where he doesn't have any because we're still stuck in our sin. We're still stuck in this old way of thinking. We're still stuck in our former manner of life. And he says, no, no, that's what it used to be. Now you're renewed day by day in the spirit of your minds. You have the mind of Christ, he's saying. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You have the mind of Christ. And your desires that used to trick you, your desires that used to say, yeah, do that. It's good. It'll bring you life. He says, you don't have to believe that anymore. You know that those desires are deceitful, that they're going to trick you, that they don't breed life. They breed death and destruction. He says, you've been given new desires in Jesus Christ. And those things breed hope and life and joy and peace and unity and influence and on and on and on and likeness. Verse 24, we've put off the old self and guess what? Now we put on the new self. It's like clothes. We put it on. And this is a new self and it's created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This is Genesis 1, 26 and 27. This is the image of God being restored in you as you follow Jesus. That's so beautiful. In the image of God, people, this is a huge theological uh, construct and, and doctrine, but we won't go into it in full detail, but the image of God is kind of, uh, there's so much in that image of God that gets revealed throughout scriptures and, and exactly what that is. But in the immediate context of Genesis 1, chapter 26 and 27, the image of God is something very specific in us. And that image of God is authority and dominion. Because right after he says you've been created in the image of God, he says, be fruitful and multiply. Make disciples. Be fruitful and multiply. Subdue the earth and have dominion over it. So that's linked. Uh, the antecedent to, to that is the image of God in us. So it's linked to that inextricably. And, and here we have 
authority and dominion and power being restored in us. That should encourage you for spiritual warfare's sake. Guys, stop living like you're powerless. Stop living like you have no authority. Stop living like you have no dominion over the things of the earth. You do. And if you're not a follower of Jesus today, you may think, oh, those, those are pretty strong, those are really strong words. But listen, we're not talking about overlording things. We're talking about caring and worshiping and serving things. This is what our dominion, authority, and power give us. And in this context here, with that likeness being restored in us, this is what that dominion and authority gives us. Verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, guys, that authority, dominion, power, allows you to replace lies with truth, to put away falsehood. So when you start believing you're not good enough, when you start believing uh, God is not near, that he is far, when you start believing that, that uh, God isn't who he says he is, when you start believing that you are forsaken, not chosen, those are lies that you get to replace with truth. And you have the authority to do that. That's it. It's in you. If the Spirit of God is in you, that's in you. That's how you grow in the likeness of the Father. And that's how you validate the victory of the Son. He's victorious, guys. That's your reality if you're a follower of Jesus. Yes. Right? Do you believe that? Yes. Then live like that. He's, he's already overcome your sin. That sin that you fall to every single day or every single week or regularly, whatever it looks like, cast it aside. You've already overcome it in Christ Jesus. You should no longer be, uh, be a victim or be, a, be uh, in bondage to pornography. You have authority over that. You should no longer be in bondage towards your idea of success. You have authority over that. You should no longer be in bondage to the thought that, like, I'm a failure and I'll never live up to anything. You have victory over that in Christ Jesus. Don't give the power to the enemy. Jesus has it. He says, so put away false. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor for we are members of one another. So we're going to go through a list of things. Josh is going to put up in verse, verse uh, where are we, 25. So recognize you're in this together. That's what we need to do. When we realize we have this image of God restored in us, we just need to recognize we're in this together. You know what that does? It shows that we're on the same team here. He says we are members of one another. It shows us that I can actually encourage Adam and not fear that it's going to make me look worse. How many of you guys don't encourage somebody because you feel like it's going to make you look worse? It's going to make them look better than you. You can actually admonish somebody and, and pour into them in that way and exhort them without fear of them, of what, how they're going to react to it. Because you're on the same team. You're on the same page. Right? So he says, recognize that we're members of one another. Verse 26, he says, be angry and don't sin. And give no opportunity to the devil. Don't let your emotions control you. If you, have a, if you recognize that you have the authority and power and you're walking forward in the likeness of God, you won't let your emotions control you. But if you look at your day, probably the majority of your decisions were because your emotions controlled those decisions. How you said something to your wife, your husband, how you said something to your boss, how you said something to your coworkers, how you, uh, what you ate for dinner. <laughs> um, that's something really simple, right? Uh, but he says you actually have power and authority over your own emotions. They don't have to control you. You can actually be angry and not sin. How many of you guys can get angry and not sin? That's really hard. He, he picks like the hardest emotion. He says, you can actually be angry and not sin in it. 
Wow, that's, that's how, that's the image of God restored in us. That's the likeness of God. Okay, I'm gonna fly through this. Number three, <clears throat> tend towards helping others. Like, you can actually help yourself and help others at the same time. You don't just have to help yourself. That's, that's in the verse here. Uh, verse 20, 29, speak grace, not garbage. He says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. So many of you guys speak garbage. He says, speak grace. Build others up. Next verse, 31. Rid yourself of negative emotions or thoughts. This kind of goes back up to number one. But he says here, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, which is like, um, uh, like yelling and slander, so abusive speech, put all that away from you, along with all malice or hatred. Like you actually can put all those aside, he says. You don't have to, let, you don't have to live in those things. Like you, you're relinquishing your power when you do. You are vilifying the victory of the Son when you do that. And he says in verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. It's hard to forgive, isn't it? But we're supposed to focus on reconciliation. You know what, you know what it means to forgive? If you have to forgive somebody, it means you've been hurt by somebody. Right? If you have to forgive somebody, it means you've been deeply hurt by somebody. And when you choose not to forgive, you are giving that person the power over you. Because the power is in you to forgive. Why? Because Christ forgave you. God forgave you. And when you choose not to forgive, you're just giving that person the power over you. You're relinquishing a part of the image of God in you. And so be focused on reconciliation. Restore the likeness of the Father in your life. And going back up to verse 30, we'll finish here. Paul says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you're sealed for the day of redemption. <clears throat> this word grieve is only used a few times in the scriptures. And it's used in Genesis chapter 6, where God is grieved uh, because all of mankind has chosen to rebel against him. It's used in Psalm uh, 78 and Isaiah 63, where people have chosen sin over, over God, and he's grieved by that. Does that grieve you? Does your sin grieve you? It's also used in Mark 3. Where, where Jesus is grieved because of people's unbelief and their hardness of heart. It says Jesus is angry and grieved. And, he, and out of his anger and grief, do you know what he does? He doesn't sin. He doesn't destroy. He actually heals. He heals a withered, man, a withered hand of a, of a man. Out of his anger and his grief. You see how he takes an emotion with the enemy, that the enemy can use and that is often in us the enemy's playground and he brings life out of it. He heals. Because 2 Corinthians, Paul says, there's two kinds of grief. There's a grief that leads to condemnation and accusation and there's a grief that leads to repentance and life and salvation. There's a, there's a worldly grief that leads to death and there's a godly grief that leads to life. There's a sorrow of condemnation. There's a sorrow of conviction. And so this morning, you may be saying, well, how do I discern my grief? 
Are you, do you feel condemned in your grief and in your sorrow, or do you just feel convicted to live a better life? Do you feel convicted to go to the Father? Do you feel convicted to draw near to Jesus? That's a godly grief. Or do you feel condemned and you draw away and you feel alienated? That is of the enemy. That's of the father of lies. And so Paul says there's two kinds of grief here, one that draws us close to the father, one that draws us away from the father. And he says here, the Holy Spirit is grieved. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And if you can align your grief with the Spirit's grief, you'll grow in the likeness of the Father. And you will live according to the victory of the Son. And it'll change your life day to day. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for these truths. Thank you that you are our everything, that you are our life, that you are our redeemer, that you are our rescuer, that we weren't even looking for you and you came to find us. Thank you for your willingness and your obedience. Thank you for what you do every day for me. Thank you that even when I'm faithless, you are faithful. And so we give this time to you, this time of response. Lord Jesus, draw us to you, draw our hearts to you, lift our eyes to you and just do something in this place as your body is gathered. We ask it in your name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.